I want to start off by talking about fishing. <laughs> I'm, uh, it was about halfway through my uh, tenure as a camp director at Camp Iowa, I was just exhausted. And I decided in the fall to take a week off and just go fishing. I'm not a fisherman, <laughs> but I think, yeah, it was my, my sons and Colleen had purchased a fishing rod uh, and some, a tackle box. <laughs> With a few trinkets in there, and uh, I don't, don't know what's in there really. And uh, I decided to uh, spend a week out on Wolf Lake. I was going to catch the big ones. Wolf Lake, which is the lake that the camp is on, is an outstanding fishing lake. Um, lots of fish in there, they tell me. <laughs> so uh, I, I found uh, after spending a whole week, and I mean, I was literally every day out on the water in the camp, uh, little putt putt boat. Is that you? That was me. No, that's not me. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I was out there and I was fishing, and I, I went actually before that, I went to like the whole area is a fishing area. And, I went and got the real bait, and live bait. The whole nine yards, I was out there fishing where I figured the fish were. And I spent a week um, proving that I think I'm the worst fisherman that has ever tried to fish. I think I caught, uh, well, I caught two fish. Um, now, this was a whole week. One was a, like a a fish about this long, and it was uh, a pike, but it was just like a baby pike, yeah, like teeny me, because pike are like, this was just this little guy, I just threw him back in, and then I think I got a sunny, something like that. And I mean, people are bringing out these huge fish from this lake, but um, I can only imagine, you know, like if God had said to me, Tim, if you just go out in that boat and consistently throw out your line, you are going to fill that boat with trophy fish. Imagine, I, I just imagine how I would feel. First of all, I'd probably say, yeah, right. <laughs> I would say, mm, no, that's, you got the wrong guy. The fish are out there. They're not responding to me. But you know, Jesus used this idea of fishing as uh, a metaphor for what he wants us to do, a job that he has called us to do, and that is to, Fish for men. You remember the first few people he called, uh, Peter and Andrew, brothers who were fishermen. And um, he walked up to them and he said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I want you to fish for people. And, you know, implicit in that is this idea that you're going to catch some fish. I don't think Jesus would be asking these guys to give up their livelihood uh, to, to have an experience like I had. Uh, not catching anything. So uh, obviously Jesus was saying, you know, come follow me and fish. You're going to catch fish. Um, I want you to keep that in mind as I read today's scripture. And it's uh, from the narrative that we've been following in Acts. It's Acts 18. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to follow along. If not, I'll just uh, read it for you. I'm going to read 17 verses. And I just want you to think of it from the perspective of a fishing adventure. We have Paul. And uh, Paul is 
the one who is the fisherman at this point. And uh, he's in Corinth now. And I'll just read. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a few names. He met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, remember they weren't with him in Athens, like we studied last week, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he took out his clothes and pro- took, shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one's going to attack and harm you. Now listen to this. Because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Galia was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man they charged as persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. So just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to them, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned to Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Galileo, or Galileo, showed no no concern whatsoever. I find that account um, calls me to change my way of thinking about evangelism. Uh, maybe it's it's like a, par- a paradigm or a, a way of looking at things. Uh, it's a shift, a paradigm shift. Uh, as I consider how we are to realize this calling to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to realize the Great Commission. Look what it says in Acts 18, 9 to 11, as I read. Do not be afraid, the Lord said to Paul. Keep on speaking. Keep on fishing, if you like. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one's going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. You see, the catch is guaranteed. The catch is guaranteed. I mean, if if Paul were to look at the circumstances, if, if Paul were to say, but I've been fishing and like there's just so little response here. I'm not catching much. This is a waste of my time. But no, the Lord interceded and said, I have many people in this city. So so who are these people who need to hear the gospel, yet God is saying, the Lord is saying to Paul, they're mine. They need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, 
But the Lord refers to them as, I have many people in this city. Well, if you're a person like me, I'm, I'm more a Reformed person, Reformed in my theology. I believe that those people are the elect, okay, uh, that God has chosen. If you're Arminian, like I'm sure many of you are, um, you can look at them as the ones that would God knew would choose him, <laughs> choose to believe. It really doesn't matter for the for our lesson here today, whether you're Reformed or Arminian, whether you believe that people are elected by God or chosen by God or we choose God. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. What, it, what does matter is that they're out there. <laughs> the, the lake is full of fish. And they're not the kind of fish that I... Encountered on Wolf Lake. They are fish who are going to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've seen this expressed before uh, earlier when, when Paul was with uh, Barnabas on the first missionary journey. We go back to Acts 13 and read there. Uh, when Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, he was talking to the Jews at this time. We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, honored, and honored the word of the Lord. And then look at these words. All who were appointed for eternal life believed. Those are the fish that are going to be caught. Do you, do you see how this should really change your paradigm of evangelism? If you're like me, you kind of... <laughs> I'm as much an evangelist as I am a fisherman, right? I kind of I go out there and like... After a while, I'm just sort of like, you know, I haven't fished since then. I'm like, I, it's frustrating, man. It's like futile. I mean, we look around our world and we say the world has rejected God. There's, you know, like... What's the point? I mean, we're just, you know, the Lord's going to come and his kingdom's going to just keep diminishing until he finally shows up and throws him a towel and goes and gets the rag of bonds that are left over. Right? I mean, this is kind of the attitude that you can have if you get overwhelmed by the circumstances. And you can say, oh, my efforts are futile. Why am I, why am I spending the time doing this? I, I think that the I, th I think that the, the, the Billy Graham Evangelists, uh, Evangelism Organization Institute, they know a thing or two about evangelism. And I, and I love what this one fellow, Jerry Root, says. <coughs> Be assured, people in the world desperately want to know Jesus. Do you believe that? People in the world desperately want to know Jesus. I mean, we, 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 we get so convinced that the world has turned away and turned to other things and rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter is that Christ would not have said, go fish men, and would not have given us the Great Commission. 
He would not have said the harvest is white if he didn't know that there are people out there who are going to respond to the gospel. Look what, what, what he says. How can we know this? Because Jesus said the fields are white for the harvest. Christ is the Lord of that harvest. We don't have to take him to anyone. <laughs> Isn't that great? We don't have to take him to anyone. He is already there working and wooing people to himself. We merely go to make explicit what he is already doing. Here's, here's something you probably haven't heard Jesus say. The Law and the Prophets, it says it in Luke. You probably read it, but it might not have occurred to you. The Law and the Prophets were, these are Jesus' words. The Law and the Prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. Is that your picture of what's going on about Christ in this world? People are fighting to get into the kingdom of God. Is that what you see? Is that your perspective? Let's just remember the task at hand. Acts 1, Jesus said to the disciples just before he's about to ascend into heaven, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And some people are sitting there saying, yeah, that was the apostles and that was those he called to be evangelists. Well, I don't really think so because he also said, and we read this in Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. In other words, every people and every people's group will will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The experts say that we're about 15 years out from that with all of our technology. We're about 15 years away from people being able to say every people's group on earth have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? And so when people say, well, that was, that was when Jesus said, you know, go and preach to the ends of the earth, that was just the disciples, well, no, actually it wasn't. He knew that 2,000 hence, <laughs> there, there would be still 15 years of work until all the earth is heard. And so who's doing that? Well, we're supposed to be doing that. That is the task at hand. Let's just take a look at a very strong warning. And I know that it's, it's hard to hear warnings. It's hard to, I, I like to hear Jesus say nice things. I don't like to hear Jesus say harsh things. But here's some harsh things that Jesus said. He said, if you don't do your job, this is exactly, I mean, the topic, the context of what he said, this is it. He said, I am going away and I'm coming back. And then he gave three parables. One was the parable of the ten virgins, which means that you had to, if you were a virgin at a, at a wedding, you had to go out with your lamp and wait for the bridegroom to come. And uh, the object of, the, of that parable was that some of the virgins didn't bring enough oil. And then they're like, oh, hey, give me some oil. And they were saying, well, no, I don't have enough oil to share with you. I, and so the warning there, obviously, was this. The bridegroom ultimately says, you can't come into the wedding feast. It's a pretty strong warning. <laughs> The next parable, he says, and don't forget, this is right after he said, 
I am going away and I'm coming back. Meantime, this is your job. You need to tell people about Jesus Christ. The second warning is this, the parable of the bags of gold. This guy goes away, the king goes away, in the meantime he gives bags of gold. People are supposed to do something with the bags of gold. And he says to the one guy who buries his bag of gold out of fear, he says, throw this worthless servant outside. Those are Jesus' words. Sorry. Jesus said, throw this worthless servant outside. You did nothing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the third one was the sheep and the goats, which we really know more about. But the sheep and the goats were, is that parable where people are separated based on what they did with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you are saying, oh, no, no, it wasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. Actually, it was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I was hungry. You didn't give me anything to eat. That is, that is the application of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? I was in jail. You didn't visit me. What did you do while I was away? And to those, he said, who didn't do anything, they'll go to eternal punishment. Jesus' words, not mine, so don't persecute me. Jesus' words about what we're supposed to be doing in his absence are strong. They're as strong as someone who desperately loves someone but can't do anything for them and has asked you to do for him what he can't do. Strong words. I'm going to be away. I need you to do this. I need you to be my voice. I need you to be my hands. I need you to be my voice, my ears, my feet. I need you to do it. Let's read in Luke 12. Following this lesson about I'm going away and coming back and you better be at work, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I mean, do we all have responsibility to spread the gospel? And the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. You have the bread of life. I have the bread of life. I'm supposed to be serving those people. From everyone who has been given much, later on, we read, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Have you been given much? (laughs) Of course we have, right? Of course we have received eternal life and life itself. How can we not be at the work that Christ has given us? I like this picture. It's not quite like that. (laughs) We are supposed to be fishing. But when the Lord said to Paul, I have many people in this city, he was basically saying, just get out there, be consistent, get in the boat, put out the line, I'm going to fill your boat. They are out there. The harvest is white. They are there. 
And so let me explain one experience in closing that I had where literally the fish jumped into the boat. Not during the week, unfortunately, that I went fishing. <laughs> but I, I remember it was my first year of teaching, and I made a good friend. His name was Rick. And, and, and this dude was, was so white for the harvest, so ripe, so ready to jump in the boat. I mean, it was almost against my will that he became a Christian. <laughs> it was almost a nuisance <laughs> to me that he was, he kept after me, like, what is it? What, is, what do you believe? What is your faith? Da, da, da. How do I become a Christian? And I'm like, literally, <laughs> in the boat. And he jumped into the boat. People need the Lord, and people want the Lord, but they have to hear about the Lord. And so, it kind of turns on its head this whole idea of evangelism in our age, which seems to be so anti-Christ. But the fact of the matter is that the harvest is still white. The, fish is full, the sea is full of fish. And, and they, they just need to hear and so I would encourage all of us, with keeping in mind the warnings of Christ, that we should be fishing, <laughs> fishing for men and women and children. Um, and we could talk a lot about how you do that and approaches and stuff like that, but that's not really my point today. My point today is... Let's not give up. Let's not get frustrated like I did in that week of fishing out on Wolf Lake and gave up fishing forever um, because of that experience. <clears throat> Let's trust God. He's at work. He's doing things. Let's not be afraid. Let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. and Thank you that uh, Paul stayed in Corinth about as long as he stayed anywhere because you told him to. Even though people were being hurt, he was being challenged and all sorts was going on that would suggest that there weren't any fish in the sea. But Lord, we know that um, an incredible church grew out of that, out of that ministry. But Lord, help us to not get discouraged. Help us not to think that uh, it's over, that our world has rejected, and there are another, no one, there's no one out there who's wanting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. As our brother in the Billy Graham Institute says, people desperately want you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just use us in whichever way you call us to be used, that we would be faithful servants, that we would not rest on our laurels, and wait for your coming, but that we would be at the business of the Great Commission. In Jesus' name. We also pray, Lord, that you would bless the food that we're about to eat downstairs. Thank you for each person who's made it, and we just pray that you bless our fellowship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.